Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk about the issues, trends, and people shaping the future of our city. Our guest this episode is Marcus Rabin, CEO of Myers and Chapman, a general contractor and one of the companies that's helping to literally build our future here in Charlotte. Marcus, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me, Elon. I appreciate having me on. So tell me, first of all, your basic information. Who are you? What do you do? How'd you come to be in Charlotte? What's your work focused on? All right. So I'm, as you mentioned, Marcus Rabin, I'm the CEO of Myers and Chapman. Um, I started with Myers and Chapman in 2007. I worked through the ranks here, became CEO in 2017. Um, came to, to Charlotte via, you know, I'm actually originally a Georgia native, born in Georgia, moved to uh, Raleigh after graduating Georgia Southern for a few years and been in Charlotte since 2005, working in a little bit of residential then moved into commercial in 2007 with Myers and Chapman. So... I know Myers and Chapman has seen several different iterations over the years, uh, changed focus over the decades. Tell me about the company now. What is your main focus in terms of projects you're building? What are you doing the most of? And what's really going to drive your growth for the next few years here? Yeah, so it's been interesting. You know, like I said, I've been here since 2007 um, and the business has changed a good bit. You know, Myers and Chapman's roots were kind of built around retail some office stuff as well. But as we've evolved over the years, we're really main focused in is industrial uh, health care and something that's really kind of started to come to fruition in the last couple of years for it's something we kind of call community, which is, you know, like now we have going on the Humane Society here in, in Charlotte building their new facility, Billy Graham uh, Archives building, as well as doing addition to their library, uh, the Anclo Springs Greenway. Um, some of those type of products some churches and things going on as well as some charter schools. So that's kind of that bucket of stuff. But majority of work right now um, is probably in that industrial market, which is a hot market here in Charlotte. Yeah. And within that market, are you doing more warehousing, manufacturing, uh, flex space? What's what's kind of really driving that hot market? Yeah, it, and it's it's a little all of the above. I mean, a lot of a lot of spec warehouse, um, but it's getting getting converted to uh, end users either with headquarters or distribution. Um, but also some a decent amount of manufacturing expansions as well going on or the new builds um, that's happening. So it's it's a it's a kind of a good mix. And you know, there's a lot of, and of course, the bigger, bigger sizes, anywhere from small size industrial to 50,000 up to you know three, four, five hundred thousand square foot buildings for um, higher, bigger users. So I came here in 2009, a couple of years after you, and my reference point for a major recession is kind of that great recession and the aftermath i remember you know all the stopped construction all the um the projects people driving around and pointing out to me that were not happening anymore and i was kind of expecting something like that again when covid 19 started and we started seeing the pandemic impacts but driving around the city now that's that's really not the case i mean you can see construction building everywhere What's your experience been like during this last uh, 18 months or so during this pandemic that we're uh, hopefully coming out of for real now? And how did your company react? Yeah, it definitely was was 2009. I was, I was here with Myers and Chapman. We went through that and just a, a quick nugget pieces. I mean, we went from, you know, close to a hundred million dollar company down to almost a 40 million dollar company within a year's period, just because of the amount of work that went away. I mean, backlog shrunk for everybody. Everybody was scrambling um, to get that done. And it took a while for that to come back. But the difference that we saw this year or, or this, this pandemic and this small recession was it was very short lived. And when everybody saw um, work continue, we were luckily deemed essential businesses and we kept moving forward. 
Um, but most people's backlog started to shrink. But the one thing that we did uh, immediately as I realized was that there was, I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like this. Nobody had ever that I knew of in my lifetime had been through anything any similar to this. So I kind of rallied and, and out of, you know, out of just necessity, the uh, 4C, uh, which is the um, Charlotte um, Construction, Co Charlotte Contractors Construction Coalition that kind of got formed and the name come up later. But as several GCs and stuff got together to start talking about how are we going to kind of unify and, and work together to make sure we keep everybody safe and keep construction moving as an essential business uh, to move forward. And, and fortunately, it, it worked out. I mean, a lot of GCs got on board. We had uh, numerous, numerous companies here in Charlotte. I mean, 40 plus GCs getting together and talking about how to keep everybody safe and keep everybody moving and work through this pandemic. The other thing we saw that was different is the financial institutions were not hurt like they were in the Great Recession. Um, we didn't see all that happen. So some things kind of got put on hold, but money got cheap, cheaper, and money continued to flow through the banks and some of the private institutions and things like that. So projects were able to start kind of moving forward, but some of the uncertainty was there. So latter part of the year, things started to pick back up um, as we continue to move through and get a little bit further through the pandemic itself and not being prolonged for numerous years like it was with the recession. Yeah, if anything, it seems like we're seeing um, the opposite problems now with material shortages and worker shortages, and, and we'll get to that. But um, first, tell me a little bit more about um, 4C Group. What are some of the things you learned from talking together, and how did you keep this industry as safe as possible? You know, I know construction sites already have safety challenges inherent to them, so that's something you're used to working on. But you know, social distancing is hard on a job site. You've got a lot of things where people have to be in, in close proximity. Um, what did you learn? What did you guys discuss? And, and how, how'd that work out? Right. Yeah, so, I mean, originally, to your point, it started out to, I mean, we all, we, as construction professionals and being, you know, OSHA being our main source of who keeps us in line, we know how to, how to do things safely. But there was a new challenge here of social distancing to, you know, testing, making sure that people weren't bringing COVID-19 into the job sites. So, I mean, just, talking about best practices amongst the companies. I mean, you have some companies working downtown that had elevators that had to be able to get people up to, to 30, 30 floors up. And how do you get people and move people, you know, timing, how do you, you know, put people in, all those kind of things. But just talking through each other and sharing where things were working and weren't working. I mean, we kind of narrowed it down to, in about a three-week period, two and a half, three-week period, everybody working together to a, a pretty much top 10 things that needed to be done, you know, from, from, personal hygiene to social distancing to um, you know, multiple lifts with, with people in being separated, um, having temperature checks and screenings, um, paperwork that actually were able for people to fill out and just make sure we were asking the right questions to keep people from bringing COVID-19 in. I mean, a simple example was, was one of the challenges is a lot of these workers get to work um, by riding together in, in um, vehicles. You know, they may have five guys in a truck coming in, we need to educate guys on the, hey, you need to separate. Maybe they need to bring two trucks, three trucks to be able to make sure that we're, we're not putting people at, at higher risk. So that was just a sampling. The other things we did was resources. Resources became scarce about how to get, get masks and mask mandates came out, how to get cleaning supplies. Cleaning supplies became scarce. Hand sanitizer, all of those things about pooling our resources um, were things we had found. We're able to share across that platform with everybody and be able to keep everybody in check with materials and products they needed, as well as, you know, getting these protocols pushed out through subcontractors, 
um, GCs, our owners, um, all those folks. And, and, and we had a lot of participants, not only GCs, but subs and, and owners to help us work through that process as well. And I'm curious how different that is from, you know, the uh, the industry's norms. Uh, I know in construction, there's a lot of cooperations necessitated. I mean, you got to work with lots of different people with lots of different specialties to get a job done. But there's also obviously a lot of competition, you know, only one guy gets the job in the end most of the time. So uh, how, how much of a change has this been to kind of all be in a room working together? Is it more collaborative than usual or is that you know something that's kind of been the case in charlotte before this kind of talking sharing expertise etc yeah it's, it's, it's probably was out of the norm a little bit to your point i mean we're all competitors and we're friendly competitors i mean again we all know each other the industry is very small i mean everybody thinks charlotte's big and has a huge there are a lot of contractors here but it's a very small knit um, community of people but what I think changed is everybody understood the necessity of being able to work together and you know, set aside our competitiveness, set aside, you know, you know, we need to become cohorts versus competitors and work through this, this situation. And everybody embraced it. You know, there's other organizations that, that you know, the, the ABC Carolinas, the, the AGCs of the world, those guys that were, they have a great platform for certain things. And, you know, you still have people that have some relationships, but it's very broad. This really focuses in on our, our local market of folks and people embraced it. I mean, we're still going strong today. We actually have tomorrow our first in-person meeting uh, for a while that is where we're moving 4C forward into trying to keep that collaborative mindset around workforce development. I think we're going to talk about here in a minute, but that's where the platform of 4C we felt like is it removes a lot of the, the stringencies of, of bigger organizations. It's kind of more of a, an agreed upon um, group of folks that say, hey, we're going to share with each other where it makes sense for us to be able to help the industry, help our, our cause and help Charlotte be able to be, you know, continue to grow and, and build the infrastructure that we need to put in place. So we spend a lot of time talking about the physical buildings, the, uh, the infrastructure changes, all the changes people see in this community, but that stuff doesn't get built without people. And you mentioned uh, workforce. We've all heard so much about worker shortages in all kinds of uh, different industries. How are you seeing that play out in your industry? And what's it been like um, over the past few months as things really start to reopen and people are, are scarce to fill a lot of jobs? Yeah, so that's, that's one of the things. Workforce development's not new uh, and, and, and the lack of workforce. Um, it's been going on for years, and that's why I have a good bit of passion around it is just because we continue to see it get worse and worse. Um, yeah, I remember, I mean, when I was a reporter at The Observer covering development, I remember hearing for years, I mean, I started that beat in the mid-2010s. So, you know, back then, that was one of the things I heard the most about was there's not enough uh, people, especially in the trades, and that's causing delays. And, I mean, this was seven or eight years ago now at that point. So it's not a, a new issue. Right. And it's not. And I think it's just, there's a lot of good folks, a lot of the organizations working on that out there um, that, that we're as foreseer are trying to work with and try to help really. It's like like I tell people, you know, if you can take and, and guide a, a bigger group and a, a more in, influential group into helping something grow and, 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 and prosper, it's going to be better than it is individually doing things. So that's kind of what we're trying to do with those, because the workforce is aged out. A lot of it's aging out, especially in the trades. And that's where as GCs, we really struggle because the trades make us. I mean, if we don't have good tradesmen and trades to be able to do the work, I mean, as general contractors, it's very hard to get things done. 
Yeah, for for people who aren't, you know, industry watchers or professionals, just kind of explain how that works. Because um, I think a lot of people, you know, they see the name on the, the fence banner and they think, okay, yeah, yeah, Myers and Chapman, that's the company that does everything. But yeah, kind of at a, um, a granular level, how does it really work when you're on a, on a big job? Yeah, so you, you have multiple multiple trades, multiple subcontractors. I mean, I can have a job anywhere from 10 subcontractors up to 50 or 60 subcontractors that'll have individual people in those as well. And those are the guys that are you know, the boots on the ground. You know, we'll have boots on the ground with a superintendent managing and orchestrating, you know, making sure he's kind of like the maestro of the whole project. He's trying to coordinate and orchestrate everything. And all these people are brought in by different subcontractors. And those trades are struggling to get people that are skilled, A, and then that are willing to go into the trades to be trained to become skilled enough to become foremen and, and run those, those um, individual like electrical, plumbing, HVAC, drywall, I mean, metal stud framing, all those different pieces and parts that have to come together. And they're struggling to get those. And that, that, that dictates our schedules. It dictates the quality of work that we can get, dictates what we can, can deliver for the owner. And the owner comes to the GC. We're the ultimate risk management company for them to be able to hire the folks and all to get that project completed. And so why do you think, and you know, in your experience that people are not going into the trades, that there are those shortages. Like we said, it's not a new issue. People have been looking at it for a long time. But when you're out there in the community and, and talking to people, what are the actual barriers? What are the reasons someone doesn't want to, you know, go into uh, plumbing or electrician or whatever it might be? I think there's a, one of the things that we've landed on and, and collectively as a group of a lot of GCs in the last couple of years here is just said, look, it's education of the, the youth. I mean, starting in the, the elementary to middle schools. And then when you take it past there, it's the education of the parents. You know, we all grew up, a lot of us grew up in the time still today, you know, it's, you know, graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, go into the, to the um, you know, technical field or go into engineering, architectural field, those type of things. But there's a, there's a uh, misunderstanding and I think a misinformation a little bit around how fulfilling and, you know, frankly, how, you know, from a pay standpoint, from a technology standpoint to a, a gratifying standpoint of, of completing something that is not not holistically taught to our children at a younger age, which again, until they get there, they kind of got this misunderstanding of construction, I'm digging a ditch, or hey, I'm, and, and it is hard work. It's not that it's easy work working with your hands, but it is, can be very gratifying as well as give you a lot of opportunities to be able to grow and provide for your family for a long time. I mean, it's just, it's always there. Construction's a very stable, um, I, I say that lightly, it's a stable um, avenue to be able to, to, to get a job just based on, you know, again, the economy slows down a little bit, there's still things going on, but you have that skill. So you, it translates into many different ways. I mean, from your electrician, you can do residential repairs if you needed to. You can go into and doing, you know, some, some change out for people that are operating in, in hospitals. It's a lot of things that you can do with that. Uh, with that trade background and that understanding, but it's educating the younger kids and getting them to come up and see where the values are going into construction um, and going into the trades uh, versus going into a higher higher degree or going into engineering or those types of things. Well, I'm someone who uh, who works with his hands in a university setting, so I'm very uh, very respectful of people who or who works not with his hands in a university setting, I should say. I work with my hands in terms of typing, but that's about it. So I'm, I'm very respectful of people who can actually uh, build and create things. And I think any uh, homeowner who has 
hired a tradesperson, especially in the last year, to do some work, um, definitely sees that it's a field you can make some money in and provide for yourself in. How are you approaching this as you hire workers and uh, as you look to get the job done? How are you seeing it play out at your at your company specifically? Yeah, so so again, we so Eli, we we don't self perform anything. So a lot of ours is management side of it, but in the same same vein. There's still not as many people coming in through the college avenues of construction management. You know, being superintendents is our biggest problem from is guys boots on the ground, as I mentioned earlier, they're facilitating everything happening on the job. They're, they're, those guys have aged out and getting guys to go in that it is a fairly stressful job just because of everything going on and you're ultimately responsible for everything happening on that particular job site. But you know, recruiting into colleges, educating, um, you know, again, started, we, we work in the ACE mentor program. Um, we use doing explorer posts to the Boy Scouts and whatnot, trying to educate those younger individuals to understand what the benefits are going into those, as well as trying to, you know, it's other organizations trying to partner with, you know, you know the Rock and um, a couple of private organizations that are doing uh, workforce development. But we're trying to focus more into that um, as a company and as individuals inside the company to try to help um, bring more people into our industry, as well as, you know, set the set the the standard for them to understand what the benefits of it are. I mean, we do a lot more interning today than we probably ever have. I mean, we used to have one or two where we typically run now eight to 10 a year through Myers and Chapman and several of those end up sticking and we kind of can grow our own, but it's, it's selling that opportunity up front. So you're kind of out there trying to build your own pipeline and, and work with the industry to develop that talent pipeline. What do you think we could do to help more with that? Because you know, we're talking about something that's in, intangible here, creating a workforce, but that workforce is needed to create all the tangible things that we need to see our city grow. Yeah, I think it goes back, it's, it continues to educate down into our younger children. Um, I, I think it's it also too, a lot of us, you know, get busy. Our tradesmen now are getting busy. There's a lot going on and they're shorthanded. So they're trying to keep up with the work and comes a back burner. They just get by. And I think it's, it's what we're trying to do is get those people to understand the importance of, of focusing on the people side of this, because it's, a, it's going to be a real conundrum for us and, and, and a real barrier for our, our industry um, over the next several years. I mean, technology is starting to catch up with things in certain ways. And, you know, look at from, you know, fabrication, from automated fabrication of certain things, stuff like that. But unfortunately, and, and fortunately for construction, there's still an art to a lot that we do. I mean, there's a lot of new products out there, a lot of new different things. So you've got to have these people to be able to do it. And it's 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 starting early and it's continuing to get you know the subs engaged into their own development. And some subs do a really good job, but there's a lot of subs that are what I call lower middle tier. They're not really big, sophisticated. They do really good work, but they don't have the resources or the, don't have the time to spend on that, that development. And it's going to hurt them in the long run. I mean, it's the people that get in front of that and embrace it are the ones that are going to win at the end of the day. And, and we're seeing that some now, but I think over the next five years, you're really going to see the companies really pour into the recruitment and training of these folks so they can get in and hold on to them and give them, you know, again, the, the, the pay is, is up significantly, going to continue to go up. And that's what it's going to take to continue to drive to get people into our industry. And when you're looking to, um, you know, recruit people, I think that there's maybe a perceptions, you know, when you think, construction, you might think it's older men. You know, do you find that people perceive that workforce as, you know, it's it's just older guys, you know, younger people, maybe um, 
more diverse people don't see themselves in there? Is that something that you run into? Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, diversity, especially for women in the industry, um, you know, it's, it's a very male dominant industry that we're in, but I'm seeing more and more. And we're actually, we, I mean, we, we have some females work here with us as well, and they do very well. They actually, uh, quite frankly, do better than some of us men. You know? They have better critical thinking skills sometimes. But I think it's really pushing that and recruiting. And there's a couple organizations that I have not, I've heard about, I have not been introduced to just yet, or trying to get introduced to, that are focused on you know, mothers and, and, and uh, daughters and whatnot, of helping them get into construction and understand where there's there's some uh, opportunities for them as well. You know, and also too, from a, from a standpoint, from, from the African-American side to Latino side, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of diversity kind of in the trades a little bit itself, but it's still not, um, I still think we can do a better job of continuing to find the opportunities in those cultures and those, those um, uh, uh, folks to be able to get them brought into it as well and show them the opportunities that are there. Uh, so they can you know, get skill sets in it. And I think, you know, the Goodwill, Rock, um, CMPD organization and stuff that are really working on that too, um, you know, with, with all, all types of folks, but you're really kind of pushing into some of the, the, the um, you know, the African-American communities, Latino communities, and bringing those out to teach them those skills, those life skills, as well as the skills to be able to become a good tradesman. So that's talking about the people side a little bit. We've also just been hearing so much about material shortages. You know, lumber, I think, has been in the news a lot. But from what I've heard, there's a lot of uh, pretty much anything that's imported has had shortages at some point and just kind of up and down across um, across the board. How are you seeing that play out? What are you seeing now? And, um, you know, what do you expect to see um, on the material side in the next year or so? Yeah, I, it definitely has been a challenge. It's probably, you know, as GCs, I mean, we manage a lot of risk. I mean, that's what we get paid to do. But the risk uh, factor, in my opinion, has went up probably by 50 to 75% over this last 12 months just because of that. You know, lumber, of course, everybody saw, read all the news, finally starting to, excuse me, to come back down. But the issue with that is still taking time to, to work itself through the, through the system. Um, home builders are still up and we're still building a lot of houses. So there's still a lot of demand. We're moving outside of that. There's still, you know, still people probably heard a lot about steel pricing. Steel pricing went through the roof and a lot of that was more of demand, but the demand has driven, you know, longer lead times. I mean, talking, you know, 10 to 12 months on bar joist decking things. Um, but that pricing continues to go up. I mean, lock dates for, from used to be 30 days to seven days and that the percentages of increases have been significant. Yeah, I was just um, I was just listening to the mayor of Gastonia today talking about their new uh, minor league ballpark and that project. And he said the number one problem they had was uh, steel price escalations and delays. Yeah, and it, and it is starting to, I mean, the delays are still there, um, but the pricing is still going up some, but it, the, the, the incremental piece has gotten smaller. So it's not quite as big a percentage, it's still going up. But Outside of that, too, we still have we have roofing material shortages just because of you know factories that were shut down and picking back up. You know, the Texas um, storms back this winter, there's a lot of resins made in Texas that they go into a lot of different products. They go around the country to go to different manufacturers. That really put a huge damper into to certain things with pipe. Pricing went up um, with plastic piping. You know, copper's up. So a lot of electrical components and stuff are up. Um, and, you know, just metal stud framing drywall has started to go up some, concrete's gone up some. Um, so there's, all those continue to move. Um, we do expect though that to continue through this this year, but hopefully we'll start seeing some balance of that to start kind of slowing down. Now we, 
we really thought all the way it was going that it was really going to start you know constricting the amount of construction but it, it has not really affected it a lot it's affected some we've got a couple projects that say hey we're, oh, we're going to pump the brakes and put it on hold to see what the pricing does but for the most part interest rates being low uh, money being fairly easy to get uh, products are still moving forward and we're working through and and, and dealing with these issues um, on the back side and we have to look at it as a gc you know how to mitigate our risk and the owner's risk as, as quickly as possible by quick buyouts and getting quick commitments and, and those type of things but we do expect that and what i'm reading and seeing and talking to others and we're all you know optimistic that you know by the first quarter next year that at least we'll see some balance because we're not going to see anything drop prices drop but we think we'll start starting to see some balance and some of the the um, um lead times and things hopefully start balancing out so big picture listening to you here it sounds like you're talking about an industry that you know, still has the potential for great profits, great rewards, but where risk has gone up and you have to be a lot quicker and more nimble and more intentional on everything from acquiring materials to, you know, intentionally developing a pipeline of workers. You know, over the last 15 years or so that you've been in Charlotte, you know, do you think that's a, a fair assessment of the industry and what it's like to work in? And uh, what other changes have you seen? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great assessment of it. I mean, it continues to to you know, definitely be different challenges and risk abatement tactics that we have to learn and, and figure out as we move through that. But I would say, I mean, we've seen the, the mix of, of construction types here in Charlotte change somewhat. I mean, we, as I told you earlier, we were, we were rooted in retail. We built a lot of the mega centers here in Charlotte and around the Charlotte surrounding area. Um, that's changed. There's a lot more, um, you know, of course, you've seen a lot more of the multifamily apartment stuff. There's a lot more mixed use developments. You know, we have retail office um, living all those type of things. We continue to see that trend and we think we're going to continue to see that trend continue to be uh, pretty strong here in Charlotte. You know, the industrial side of things have always been here, but it's been really interesting to me over the last five to five to eight years where we've really been playing hard in that market. How much has come here and how much of a hub Charlotte has become for distribution, as well as the number of headquarters that have been brought here um, with the set up shop here, brought headquarters and brought some of their main distribu distribution or operations here. Um, into Charlotte. So I think that trend will continue on. And a lot of thing I think is just it's really amazing me from, from my time I've been here. I've been coming to Charlotte since like probably 2000, but living here since 2005, you know, just the surrounding areas. I mean, all the way from Statesville down the quarter all the way through Rock Hill and going out Gastonia and then back over Union County, all of the areas are, are prospering. I mean, we're in a really good area and, you know, at building the Panthers practice stadium down in Rock Hill is, I mean, Rock Hill was already doing well, but it's just going to continue to build that. It's, and it's, and I think the type of construction, you know, are, are going to be continued to evolve. I mean, you're going to see offices change. I mean, we do some office work, but it's going to be some office, different looks there, sizes, different things, more suburban office, I think, because of what happened with the pandemic, a lot more people working from home. Um, but it, it really has. I mean, Charlotte has, has really, in, in the, the time I've been here, 15 years, it's been really amazing to me, the growth and the, the adaptability that Charlotte has. And that's what really excites me about being in this market. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit you expect construction mixes to keep changing, um, you know, maybe more suburban office because folks can be more decentralized and maybe they only go into work a few days a week. Yeah. What other uh, what other shifts do you expect to see in the next five to 10 years? I do think we will continue to see Charlotte. I mean, I know it's always a big competitive piece here with with uh, Raleigh from the technology standpoint. I mean, all the big banking and stuff's here that's really helped grow that. I do think that's going to continue to grow. 
and continue to um, expand here in Charlotte. There's a, lot, there's a good worker base here. I mean, there's still a lot of good worker base here. So that piece of the, of the market and stuff will, but but overall for the construction industry, I, you know, we continue to see more and more uh, folks, DCs come into the market. Um, you know, the competitiveness here is is pretty, pretty fierce, but being a long-term, we've been here almost 70 years. Um, the folks that have been here for a while seem to have a pretty good foothold and a good, um, um, grasp on the market and the and the people that are here building but there's a lot of new new clients coming into 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 charlotte and i think that trend is going to continue to change continue to uh, evolve and continue to stay strong bringing new folks here um, not only from competitors but also new opportunities as well so as we get to uh the end of our time here uh last question is just if you could change anything about the construction industry you know you've got a a magic wand, your emperor for the day, whatever it might be. Uh, what would you change in the Charlotte market and why? Uh, probably, probably two things. We've kind of talked a little bit about it, but one is just perception of construction across the, our, our youth and finding ways to, to be able to educate better to them and their parents and, and be able to get more and more people to come into a, an industry that is, that is um, uh, very fruitful, very gratifying, um, delivers a lot of the things that I think a lot of people are looking for, but I really would like to figure out a way to fix that that problem. And it's it's a this is a, a you know national problem. It's not just Charlotte, but I think it's exasperated in Charlotte because of the, you know we're a growing city. We have a lot of work going on here. A lot of people want to be here, um, but I really would like to see that. And I think number two we talked about is I'd like to find if I could wave my wand and lower all of a GC's risk by you know fifty percent. <laughs> I would. I would love to be able to do it because it's one of the things that we all struggle with is it's new every day and uh, but it's what we're good at we're problem solvers um and that's what we get paid to do but it's just, it, it feels like over the last few years that, that that elevated risk levels have continued to go up and i would really like to find a way to try to bring that back down to a little bit more manageable level for for our industry well marcus thank you so much for your time uh where can people find more about your company if they're uh, if they're curious yeah, so if you can go to uh, myers-chapman.com, um, pick up pick up our website, and uh, there's a lot more information there too. And there's uh, information on there for our, our um, vice president of business development, Bo South, whatnot. You can reach out to him. Definitely get in contact with me if um, you ever need to get uh, any more information. Great. Well, thank you very much, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Eli. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.